Hi, welcome to Dig In, the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights. Every week, we interview founders, marketers, and researchers from innovative brands to learn how they're approaching their role and their category in a clever way. Welcome to Dig In. My name is Paul Gadet, CEO of Dig Insights, and I'm excited today to be joined by our guest, Melinda Lehman, who we've known for many years, an award-winning innovation strategist, entrepreneur, one of the founders of a philanthropic cycling organization, founder of Gig Inc., and honestly, an awesome person. We're so excited to have you here, Melinda, and we are going to be chatting about all things innovation. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Paul. Glad to be here. I know you well. We've known each other for a long time, but obviously our listeners don't know you as well as I do. So maybe you could just tell us a bit about who you are, a bit about your background. Sure. As you mentioned, I am founder of Gig. It's a um, strategic design firm, uh, innovation design firm, uh, with a focus on commercializing ideas and making them happen. But a bit of background, I started as a marketer at companies like P&G, Kraft, Warner Lambert, now J&J, and then I joined a boutique research agency, and um, at that time, in the late 90s, I noticed that virtually every one of our clients had innovation on their agenda, and so I launched an innovation division within our firm because nobody was really doing that work in Canada, and that's when I discovered my love of innovation. So fast forward a number of years, I became one of six partners in a global innovation firm called Happen. We sold that company about four years ago, and now I'm operating um, still uh, in the innovation world as Gig. That's amazing. And to be, and our background is actually, I, funny enough, applied for a job a long, long, long time ago at an organization that was leveraging you as their innovation strategist. And they actually said, can you interview me for the job? I didn't get the job. I don't know. Maybe it was just, you know, maybe you didn't put forth my recommendation. I don't know. All things worked out because now I'm happy where I am. But I do remember that's the first time we met. We knew there was a much greater destiny for you. <laughs> I guess that's what it was. Role. That's what it was. Well, it's, you know, congrats, first of all, congratulations on all your success. Cause I think I, I, we've been following you for a number of years uh, from where you were to, ha- ha- you know, being the, the, one of the owners of Happen and selling that off and now being obviously the founder of Gig. Just your view on innovation, I think, is completely, I think, new and refreshing to what many people might think what innovation is. Um, I'd love to kind of get your thoughts on like, how do you describe innovation and, and why is it when you talked about it being like the thing you love to do? Why, what, why is that? Uh, why is innovation the thing you love? Yeah, it is the thing I love um, for many reasons. Um... I'll, I'll give you a few. Um, so first of all, I am fascinated with human behavior, motivations, and dynamics. Um, finding those powerful insights, and not just the want and the need, but the why underneath the want and the need, and the important and complicated context around that. Um, Secondly, I love that goosebumps moment when the stars align and insights reveal opportunity and breakthrough becomes inevitable. And then I love that those breakthroughs change the lives of the people they're intended for. And not only those people, but the people who have the professional courage to pursue them. That's awesome. You know, when we, we maybe, you know, describe 
your to me your approach to how you think about innovation isn't is is somewhat unique it's 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 much be, more beyond just how do people use something differently in a new way it's more really thinking again kind of what you're saying about how does it really affect behavior how do consumers actually think about things in a completely new way very disruptive in the, in your approach and maybe you can talk a bit about your views of innovation, how maybe organizations are thinking about organized uh, innovation. That's uh, kind of where you think you would align or where you think they need help in. Sure. Um, well, about eight years ago, I wrote this paper about a subject called elegant disruption. Um, and I was struggling with the fact that all of our clients, virtually all of our clients were coming to us um, in established businesses and they were looking to disrupt, disrupt their business in order to create impact. And um, more recently, they're using this word disruption in the same sentence as the word sprint. And I thought, oh my gosh, that just isn't possible. And I thought there's gotta be a better way to think about this and, and to approach it. And I thought, what, what are they really trying to do? Because they've got a business that is successful that has has valuable structures and procedures that has gotten them this far, why on earth would they want to create disruption, which is more likely to be disruptive to the organization and the industry that they're operating in? So I thought, what is it that they are really trying to do? And how can we look at this differently? Because there is a fine line between disruption and destruction, for sure. So what is elegant disruption? Elegant disruption is about looking at the current situation and valuing what exists within that current structure or product or situation and taking the time to really understand what has to be kept um, and safeguarding that and then creating new worth and value um, and relevance in a way that's ongoing and sustaining in a new context and why it's elegant is because it it takes time it takes grace it's more empathic and and it's not easy it's not fast for sure it's about the merging of contextualized insights plus design thinking plus a strong desire to supersede the current way of doing things um, but what it requires is taking a view of the current situation and overlaying a reimagined future, but taking those two things and imagining those two things coming together in a new way that you haven't looked at it before. I want to I want to play back a couple of things because I think you know what you said there is probably so relevant, but it can easily be be missed. That when you think about organizations who are trying to innovate. Often they'll innovate with the idea of they want to be disruptive. And what you're saying here is it's a fine line bef between being disruptive and being destructive. And as a result of it, if you have a fairly somewhat successful industry or, or business that you're operating right in right now, disruption could actually be more destructive to that existing business. So the idea is to figure out which parts of that you want to keep. And then think about how you can be disruptive in a more elegant approach, thoughtful approach, strategic approach, without just thinking, yeah, this is now a sprint. I'm just going to change things completely and try something new. You want to be 
somewhat more thoughtful on how to safeguard the existing things while you're now thinking about how to what the future could look like and how to work towards that. Is that fair? Correct. I was talking about this the other day with uh, a client and friend at BMW Manufacturing Group, and he has introduced this term to his team, and they really it's really resonating. And um, in doing that, he also coined a term, um, professional courage, which I thought was brilliant. And it's different from regular courage, which is about facing your fear or adversity. That's very personal. Um, professional courage is about doing what's right, what's ethical, what's strategic for an organization, and it's very disciplined. So uh, he is very careful about protecting all of the very valuable processes that they have in place and taking the time to flex around the areas that need to change given a new context. And what would be for them like that new context? What do you, like... Moving to um, all battery operated vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. So as the whole industry itself has been fairly disrupted by a shift to electric Correct. vehicles, brands like BMW and I'd say other, you know, really, you know, established car manufacturers that have a heritage or a, a personality or love for what they're known for need you need to kind of protect that before you think about how you're going to disrupt the other areas of the actual Correct. business right that's yeah and i think i mean is there what other, what other example or what other industries do you think that uh, or maybe the ones that you've worked with where that you know that's kind of the, one of the things that you know really needs to be kind of understood before you kind of get into that exercise of, okay, we're going through an innovation. We want to innovate. We want to be disruptive. What are the things that we need to think about? Where, where are you seeing that? Maybe those industries kind of focused on that or need to consider that. Right. Well, um, I'll give you a good example. Uh, one that um, I thought I thought it was handled beautifully and where elegant disruption came into play. And look back to, I think it was October 17th, 2018, when Marijuana became legal in Canada, and in 2019, it was legal to open a brick-and-mortar retail store to sell it. And in order to do that, you needed a license. And in order to get a license, you needed a signed lease. In order to get a signed lease, you needed a floor plan and a design. And in order to do that, you needed a target consumer a value proposition, breakthrough insights, and a blueprint. And that was our team's job for one particular client. And we had eight weeks to do this. And, you know, everybody was scrambling to get into this market. And it was a race to the finish line. So we talked to consumers, architects, and we talked to expert catalysts. So this is one of the things we do in our work. Um, when you are trying to solve a problem, one of the best ways to do it is look to people in a parallel world and um, people who have already solved a problem that is similar, but in their world. And if you invite them in to help problem solve against your challenges, they see possibility because they've already solved it in their world. And you bring that in and it allows you to see possible solutions in a very new, new and an intriguing way um, so that we brought in a beat poet, we brought in a musician, we brought in um, an executive chef, and we brought in a movie set designer. So 
um, in eight weeks, we came up with a solution. And then two days before my client was going to apply for 37 licenses, the Ontario government changed the rules. They said, we're going to hold a lottery. And they only offered up 25 licenses. And over 17,000 people applied. My client didn't get a single license, and nor did many of the big players in the market. And so these 25 people who got a license literally won the lottery. And they weren't, um, most of them weren't prepared to open a retail store at all. And what was interesting, they weren't allowed to sell them. So the strategic alliances started happening and these deals were being made that, you know, were anywhere from $2 million to $10 million in, in size. And, um, you know, when, if you were patient, you could get a license for $50,000. My client said, no, I'm not going there. This goes against my values, the values I'm trying to instill in the team. And what he did, and this is where she practiced elegant disruption is he said, how can we look at this situation, this new context, and see the good in this? How can we use this to our advantage? And so he challenged the team to be unhappy with their current state of readiness. And he said, leapfrog six months from now when we are going to open. And I want you to imagine how much stronger and better we're going to be with this extra time. And so instead of them you know, taking this as bad news, he created um, a, a real motivation for them to get even better. And then one of the, the foundational insights that we discovered in our target was that people wanted to feel normal now in a, an industry that was criminalized, demonized, marginalized for way uh-huh. too long. And um, they wanted to do it in a way that was authentic so that they could live fully and not hide. And so um, we saw a lot of confusion, a lot of mixed messages in space, especially coming from the government. So my client said, okay, I have time. I can hire a government relations firm and I can work with the different levels of government. And I can start to influence policy. and I can write op-eds and I can establish a stronger leadership position for us by the time we get to market. And he also said to his team, okay, what is the positive in not getting a license? Well, if you have a license, you're very limited to what you can say to the consumer and how you can talk to them. If you don't have a license, you can say whatever you want. So they established a podcast called Putting It Bluntly, and they had very open conversations about the good, the bad, the ugly of the cannabis space and answered a lot of questions that people were looking for answers to, like, am I a bad mom if I if I use cannabis after my kid goes to bed? Am I, you know, should I be embarrassed if this is how I manage my pain? And and so they did all of that and then um, they started to build a really strong community. And by the time it was time to launch, they had had leapfrogged that much further ahead and made a real positive out of a tough situation. I mean, the whole example is so relevant. I think to everybody listening here, like the idea that to leverage parallel examples on people who've already solved an issue and see how they've already uh, tackled it by you bringing in, you said you brought in a chef uh, uh, and who else did you bring in? 
a movie set designer, um, a beat poet, and, and well, we, we brought in a fashion designer as well, a musician. And, you know, the, so to give you an example of how they might have helped us, so one of the things you can't do still is when you create a retail space, um, you, you can't, you can't, you aren't allowed to be able to see inside um, the store. You mean for the cannabis stores? You can't see inside the stores. Correct. So how right. do you how do you create intrigue from the outside? Someone walking by, especially in a space that was about to become incredibly competitive and saturated, how do you call attention to your store? Um, so the movie set designer had a lot to offer um, in in that realm of, around intrigue and you know how to create um, interest and pull people. And how did you use the beat poet? The beat poet was um, there was one of the elements of of the insight uh, the insights that we came up with was this idea of um, a circle. The circle is very important in um, in in what we were creating from a design perspective. And she um, she had a, a, a poem that was about the circle and and how and she also worked with um, people who um, were with Narcotics Anonymous and in this sort of um, accepting circle of and how you bring people into a circle and how you um, have a more authentic relationship. So this is uh, you know kind of deep, but it was it was very cool because it allowed us to see certain design elements that were very important about bringing this circle imagery to life. Well, especially in a category that, as you said, people want to feel normal around. They don't want that uh, that type of stigma, especially if you want, if they have some sort of interest in it. Being able to be part of that community or part of that circle um, is uh, is really was really, I mean, obviously, clearly important. I just, I, I everything you say, I mean, this is kind of why I've I've loved following you for so long is because your approach to innovation, to me, just the idea of being able to really get people thinking. And, and being able to inspire thinking and being able to think differently, have, helping people think differently. I mean, that's when really true innovation happens. That's when they actually come up or think about things differently or get inspired to do things differently. And then it obviously translates into their passion for even accelerating the business and, and really what they're able to do. And so the cannabis example is a great one. I'd love to know, like, is there, you know, do you have like a maybe a controversial or unpopular opinion of the state of building brands right now that uh, might be, yeah, not necessarily a popular opinion about it? I don't know if it's controversial, but I, you know, I, I think people can be very impatient. Um, you know, uh -huh. hence the term sprint. Um, and I think they put a lot of stake in a new technology. So um, a technology on its own is not necessarily a great idea without an insight, without a good strategy, without unique processes and, and, and sort of a way to bring it to life. Um, a technology is a catalyst for innovation, but how you bring it to life is what makes it magic. That's fantastic. Um, all right, Melinda, listen, I, I want to make sure that we're uh, conscious of time here and your time. I do have some extra questions for you. We're going to do more rapid style version, though, of it, if that's okay with you. Does that work for yep. you? Yep. 
that works for you. Okay. okay. So uh, I'm going to ask you a few questions. No, you know, no right or wrong answer. I'm just kind of curious. Uh, first question, favorite innovation in the market right now? Um, okay. Can I give you two? Okay. Two. Favorite innovations. Okay. One is personal. Um, immunotherapy. So um, immunotherapy has transformed the way people can fight and thrive beyond cancer. Um, the idea of harnessing one's own body and immune system to fight a disease and to increase patient outcomes is, is remarkable to me. Um, you know, a more targeted approach that spares a great example of elegant disruption. The idea that you are sparing more healthy tissue um, and going uh, going at the disease in a more targeted way with fewer, in many cases, fewer adverse effects like nausea and fatigue, um, I think is really incredible. Um, so that was the first, the first one. <laughs> Second one, I don't know if you can see this this fella on my arm. So this one I love. Um, this is a continuous glucose monitor. Um, this particular one is... I'm hearing more about these all the time, by the way. Good. That's good. Um, yes. So I've been wearing this for about two years, and this is not a new thing. These have been around for a while, but there's a new application of it that I hope is making its way to more and more people because I think it's incredible. So what it does is it it measures your glucose levels and this one, Super Sapiens, um, is continuous. So at any given time, you know the level of your glucose and that knowledge allows you to modulate it um, by what you're consuming. And why that's important is the various applications. So you can use it to enhance athletic performance because you're giving yourself enough nutrition at the right time. That's yeah. largely how I use it. But it has a huge application um, for health and wellness and longevity. So if you can flatten your glucose curve, you can modulate and 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 live a healthier life basically um getting better sleep eating better better diet um better weight management you know whole host of things i know i i, I you told me about this one before and uh and i have my wife now looking into this uh and i think we're both going to get one because uh there's you know i i need to have that baseline i need the continuous me measurement i think it's awesome it's amazing it's a fantastic innovation yeah fantastic innovation okay next question Best piece of career advice that you've been given? Ah, uh, okay. Do what you love and the money will follow. Um, Ooh. Do the work that doesn't feel like work. And, and you know, that makes for a very good life. Okay. And, uh, and then lastly, what keeps you inspired uh, to do what you do? Um, I would say a steady diet of goosebumps. That's my life. Nice. <laughs> Looking for nice. a funk moment for sure. That's amazing. Uh, well, thank you so much, Melinda. Uh, uh, you know, listeners, you've heard all about elegant disruption, which I think is a, just a fantastic term. Uh, how to leverage a parallel examples of solving some of your most uh, innovative challenges, and uh, and not think about innovation as a sprint. Uh, if you're interested in understanding how you can innovate, check out Gig. Get in touch with Melinda. 
Melinda, it was such a pleasure having you on here. Thank you so much. Thank you, Paul. Great to see you. Thanks for tuning in this week. Find us on LinkedIn at Dig Insights. And don't forget to hit subscribe for a weekly dose of fresh content.